Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week, we review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course, our fellow podcasters. Check us out on the web at nomcastpod.com. Follow us on the socials at nomcastpod. And most importantly, listen and subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. Hit that beat one time. Hey there, I'm Mr. Black. And I'm Mr. Green. And we're a couple of guys who met in a comic book store. Together we host the Pint O' Comics podcast, where we invite listeners to join us to talk about movies, TV, comics, music, or just whatever. Starting very soon, we'll be joining up with the fine folks at Forgotten Entertainment for a special limited series called On the QT, where we talk Tarantino. Every week for 10 weeks, a guest will join us to chat about every Quentin Tarantino movie from Reservoir Dogs to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So Join us starting in May 2021. On the QT is available wherever you download your podcasts and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ooh, that's a bingo. Welcome to Kraken One Open. <laughs> I am your host, Mike, and with me, as always, is my other host, Elise. Boo! Hey, we got a swing. Welcome, welcome, welcome all. Today is a very special Kraken Open because I actually don't know what we're drinking at least bought oh, two yeah, beers true. for true. different episodes i don't know which one she's chosen for this episode so this is gonna be interesting <laughs> <laughs> so because of that i got nothing else pinky take it away <laughs> well today we are cracking open kittens and canoes which is an american pale ale from beard brewing co which is located in stonington connecticut the brewery is located at the Velvet Mill, a plant which was originally built uh, by the town in 1888 as a means of encouraging the development of new industry. A. Wimpheimer Bro Inc. imported velvet from abroad and sold them to itinerant merchants and to consumers. Then the passage of the McKinley Act in 1891 made it possible to start manufacturing velvet in this country. I don't know what was holding us back from making velvet here before, but woohoo, I guess. Mm, <laughs> At first, the Wimpheimers attempted to weave and dye fabrics in their mill in Astoria, Long Island. However, because of a malaria epidemic, they relocated to Stonington, Connecticut. But in 1996, the president of the American Velvet Company made the tough decision to move the company out of Connecticut and relocate to Virginia, which was more business friendly. Uh, citing that personnel costs were over 20 times higher in Connecticut than in Virginia. That's Connecticut. Yeah, I was going to say not much has changed. <laughs> so today the mill continues to develop its adapted reuse with artisans, craftspeople and entrepreneurs. At the mill, you'll find a community boasting everything from creative crafts, health and healing services and fitness classes to an artisanal bakery, a wood fire pizza restaurant, an espresso bar and more, including beard brewing. 
And I, I feel like. Oh, those aren't owned by Beard. That's just within that. No, it's, it's okay. all within the same kind of like complex, I guess. Gotcha. Okay. And I feel like we did, uh, we covered a brewery that had a very similar setup, but I believe it was in Massachusetts last year. I, where I think it was you're like right. It industrial- does all sound very yeah. similar. Yeah. So cool. (laughs) So the story of of how Beard became to be, according to their website, started back in 2005 when Aaron and Precious met on the campus of Rochester Institute of Technology. Quote, while their love for each other sparked instantly, their love for beer was a slow burn, starting with an elective course on beers of the world. Why didn't we have that course? What is this community? (laughs) The show? (laughs) And developing into a fascination with homebrewing. End quote. And for a while, it was just that a shared love of craft beer and homebrewing enjoyed by their family and friends until the two decided to finally take the leap and quit their jobs in order to start a brewery. So Beard is officially considered a microbrewery, although technically they have a second facility in Groton um, and they have a combined 35 BBL brewing system that allows them to produce a wide variety of brews all year round. According to their site, they make the most of their smaller production size by focusing on innovation and creativity, regularly putting their heads together to come up with something fresh, exciting, and unexpected. They want to make a great beer accessible for everyone, not just the hopheads and beer nerds, which they fully admit to being both themselves anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I really like the way they start off their page where they list all of their core rotating and seasonal stuff. It says, quote, for game days, for barbecues, for dinner parties and awkward dinner table conversations with the in-laws, for first dates, for worst dates, for promotions and demotions, for afternoons out on the sound with your favorite furry friend or for evenings in binge watching your favorite shows in your sweatpants. For all the milestones and every ordinary everyday moment in between, we've got a perfect pairing for all of them. So obviously the most notable, uh, Pretty much the only one I see in cans constantly is Dogs and Boats, Mm -hmm. um, which is a delicious but also heavy hitting Imperial IPA. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, So I'm I'm assuming that it in some way inspired this beer that we're featuring today. I'm not sure, but correct me if I'm wrong. Dogs and Boats is the only one that we've had from Beard. It's the only one I can remember having from Beards, but mm-hmm. we talked about this when we had Dogs and Boats. I could swear I had something else, but I could not tell you the name. So, Would sure. It, is it possibly eight days a week? Possibly, but I can't tell you for sure. Okay, because that that's another fairly regular one. We'll go with I've only had Dogs and Boats. Okay, yeah, <laughs> same. Uh, so Beard describes kittens and canoes like this. Quote, as fickle as your house cat, kittens and canoes only comes around when it wants to. Welcoming notes of white grapes, stone fruit, and orange play well with a carefully balanced malt profile in this hazy brew. More sessionable than its sister brew, you'll want to enjoy as much time with it as possible before it's done with you and disappears per usual. (laughs) End quote. (laughs) (laughs) So Kittens and Canoes is made with Nelson Salvin and Citra Hops. And from what I've read online, it really highlights the Nelson Salvin and has really good overall ratings. So my expectations for this one are pretty high. <laughs> you do love your Nelson Savin hops. I really you really do. do. <laughs> um, but first, the hops. Citra hops, a.k.a. 114, were bred back in 1990. And Citra's lineage includes U.S. Tetnanger, Hellertau Mittelfra, 
Brewer's Gold, East Kent Golding, and an unknown variety of American Wild Hop. Unknown. <laughs> Citra went through extensive trials and testing, and the rights to this hop were held by three different big breweries at one time, but they all ultimately passed. Then in 2007, the hop breeding company started to shop it around to craft breweries, which is when Widmer Brothers, Deschutes, and Sierra Nevada all agreed to co-found Acreage to grow Citra. So Citra hops, as we already know, are citrusy. They have an ideal mix of high alpha acids and low cohumulone, which makes it good for bittering, but it's excellent as an aroma or flavor addition at any stage from pre to post boil. This is in large part due to their high myrcene content, which is one of the major hop oils, and it's heavily associated with citrus, but can also be found in mango, lemongrass, verbena, and grapefruit. Citra can also lend a delicate and desired aromatic, including gooseberry, lychee, mango, melon, grapefruit, orange rind, and passion fruit. Next up, we've got Nelson Salvin. So Nelson Salvin's name is derived from the Sauvignon Blanc wine grape that Blanc. this hop reminds so many people of. Are you okay over there? Blanc. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because of its similar flavor and aroma. It was developed in the Nelson region of New Zealand and released in 2000. And while it has been very popular among craft breweries and home brewers for its eccentric characteristics, it is too weird to find its place in big beer. Boo, it, big beer. <laughs> You're just not creative enough. <laughs> basically. It's popular in American style pale ales like this one, but it's apparently a hop that you need to work with very carefully. Uh, one of my go-to hop resources stated specifically that it requires prudent and discerning application in brewing, but they didn't really explain why. So Nelson Seven hops are described as rich and fruity with flavors of white wine, crushed gooseberry, lychee, passion fruit, and whispers of melon. And it can also be mildly peppery. I could see the peppery. Yeah. In some of the beers we've had with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's all I got. I am ready to crack this baby open. Oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> That's me running to uh, get the beers. <laughs> uh, so fun fact. Also, uh, now through the magic of editing, we're back. Yep. Um, I have no fingernails whatsoever. I have cut them down to the nubs. So uh, we'll see if I can open if this If you can beer. crack it. Good job. It was painful, but I did it. <laughs> Dug Ooh. down into my skin. I feel like I'm already getting like. I get a little bit of grapey. grapey yeah, kind of notes. Yeah. I'm excited. A little bit how like when you smell weed, it's like really fruity up on the front. Mm -hmm. Kind of like that. Not like super hoppy, like danky, but kind of like that, like no. sharp, the instant sharp fruitiness. Like it's sharp on the nose. Mm -hmm. You like the word sharp lately. You used a lot last episode it's as well. It's a very descriptive <laughs> word. I feel like I'm getting, I'm trying to learn to get my point across a little better than my weird words. So I'm trying <laughs> to use words that maybe are a little bit more like on the, no pun intended, on the nose. Kind of like ah. sharp makes more sense than going over 500 words about what I think this is. Okay. Yeah. Sharp fair. is like, it gets really, it digs into the back of your nose real quick. Like mm, a kind of a smell. Okay. You know what I mean? But like without overpowering the whole notes, it's just like you get one note that's just like, I got it. <laughs> All right. So this is a pretty, I don't want to, it's not hazy in the, like a hazy IPA way. It's if very, that, if that makes any opaque. sense, it's opaque. Yeah. And it's a golden straw color, a uh, little bit of a head, 
Yeah, I feel like it gets a little paler as you go down the glass, too. Yeah, and I think we said the same thing last time about another beer when we used this particular glass. We did say that about another beer. I don't know if it's a glass or the beer. We're using like a Sam Adams type style glass from Dockside Brewery. It smells really good. I'm going in. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I should have gotten a second pack. (laughs) This is definitely your kind of beer. I mean, not that I don't like it, but this is definitely, I can see you like, this this is is it. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm really getting into pale ales for some reason. What's weird is you liked pale ales. When you started drinking beers, you got into it through like... Whale's tail, pale ale, and stuff like yeah, that. Those yep, were yep. the beers you started drinking. So I'm surprised you haven't ever cycled back to regular pale ales, just like IPAs instead of the yeah, pale ales. Yeah, I feel like IPAs really took over for a long time. And that's like, we just kept buying them out, out of habit because for a while it was new and interesting. And now it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, so this is really cycle good. Cycle back. This is really good the way that it. Kind of blends the seven hops with the citra. Yeah. Um, most of the seven hops we have have been a Sauvignon beer. It's been very Sauvignon forward, I would say. Yeah. yeah. So you'd have a Sauvignon wine taste at the front of your beer and had a little bit of a beerness going on. This mm-hmm. is kind of a nice marriage between the citra and the Sauvignon yeah. so that you get a nice, almost a lighter beer. Mm-hmm. I feel like what Citra is lending to this one is more on the berry end that we don't get very often. Yeah, because you don't get the Citra to the end, so that gives you that berryness. Yeah. I think that the- It works well with the the fruitiness of the the Nelson Salvin. It almost makes it more like a beer. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, when other breweries are afraid to use it, other than like more of the craft beers, Mm -hmm. it's because it doesn't taste beery, I would say. I would say it's because it tastes so different and bizarre- and it does. And we've done yeah. seven beers on the podcast before, and we've had mm-hmm. other seven beers off the podcast. And they do tend to taste more like a wine, and but it's also beer. But it's definitely its own kind of thing. Yeah. This is definitely, it's a pale ale. It's a beer. But that seven comes through at the beginning, but doesn't take away from the beerness to it. And yeah. doesn't make it something weird and unheard of or something that the average beer drinker wouldn't like. This is actually something the average beer drinker would like. And I think the Savin makes it better for the summer. Absolutely. Yes. It makes this very drinkable. And that, that Savignonness, that white wine kind of lightness that a Savignon Blanc would have makes it approachable, makes it fresh, Mm -hmm. makes it. Oh, this is extremely drinkable. Very drinkable. Very fresh. Very like garden, like not garden fresh, but kind of garden fresh in a way, not like cucumbery, but in like a, I, I I get what you Effervescent mean. Effervescent kind of way, I think. Yeah. Trying to yeah, say? it's very light on the carbonation. It's mm-hmm. pleasant. <laughs> yes. But it finishes with that nice pale ale citra blast to keep like you in the realm of beer. Like what you would expect from yeah. a pale ale. Yeah. yeah that first it, sip it, is just like, oh, yeah, refresh. Yeah. I'm very happy with this purchase. <laughs> <laughs> the refreshing beginnings of a white wine and then the ends of a good, delightful beer. Mm-hmm. The one thing I will say, though, kittens and canoes, like you said, Perfect antithesis of dogs and boats. Yes. <laughs> but I don't think this beer is, even though it should be in, in terms of title, trying to be kind of the lighter version of dogs and yeah, boats. Yeah, it's I definitely don't, This is its not, own thing. Yeah. yeah. This isn't trying to be dogs and boats, but lighter. Which dogs and boats, don't get me wrong, is really good. And I believe on the Dockside episode, Andy listed that as one of the things he has It has one has of his, his favorites. It's, it's one of the like always on tap things that he wanted. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I'm not knocking. It is really good, but it is knock you on your ass strong. Yeah. Like 9.1 or 9.2% strong. And feels it. Yeah. Um, which some beers that are strong should feel strong. Uh, it's nothing against it. Yeah, it's nothing against it. it. It is a delicious beer. You can just only have so many. But yeah, this beer doesn't taste like it's trying to be the lighter version of it. It's just kind mm. of happens to have the antithesis in terms of its title. Yes. But not in terms of its taste or style or feel or anything. Mm-hmm. This is a completely different beer, uh, which I was expecting something, something to harken back to that. And I can't really latch on to anything that harkens over to dogs and boats no i'm pretty sure dogs and boats uses completely different hops anyway and yeah they said it's a sister brew not a a lighter version of it right yeah, yeah. but i can see that if you don't want a strong beer this is definitely the one to go to and yeah. in terms of the opposite of that this is super light super drinkable super mm-hmm. refreshing this is definitely if you're if you're looking at it toward that a very different beer yes and absolutely. definitely the opposite of that in terms of why you're drinking it mm-hmm. that works this is really really good this is really refreshing and such a unique and interesting way to use the seven hops we've had seven sours that was probably the first beer we had was the from with seven hops was the sauvignon blanc really? uh two roads oh, i don't even know if that used seven hops but it was a sauvignon blanc beer and that was two roads sour uh, i thought it was aged in sauvignon blanc barrels it might have been yeah, I don't know if it used the hops. And then Tribus did one. Uh, and then there's another yep. brewery that did one and, and a brewery after that as well. So we, yeah. we've had four or five Sauvignon Blanc beers, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And they've all been varying levels of drinkable. But I feel like they've all been very much focused on the wine aspect of it. Yes. Which is fine because it makes Especially them very unique the and very one, interesting. Yes. Which is like one of my favorites now from them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one, though, uses it, but keeps it as a beer yeah doesn't and i think that makes this really interesting in terms beard of found a very nice balance hop. yeah uh, and is the first one i would say uses that hop in this way mm-hmm. not that the other ones were using it in the wrong way because like you said the travis one is one of your favorites but i like that this uses it as a way to still make it beer mm-hmm. you know there are so many different like beers that are like wine beers oh it's a, it's a whiskey sour beer but it's like it's very hard to blend a beer that's both a perfect marriage of what you're going for in terms of another alcohol and the beer. Absolutely. Like a, a scotch ale needs to be a perfect blend. Mm-hmm. And scotch ales are some of my favorite. Absolutely. If you don't do it right, though, it's the worst. It can beer. be awful. It's the worst. Uh, so you really have to it's have like that perfect blend heartburn. of beer and scotch. <laughs> Even for me. And, you know, whiskey ales, like we just bought one uh, an aged whiskey beer from uh, Tura Dairy 2. Mm-hmm. Um, when they reopened their hop yard, shout out to Two Roads for that. Yeah, that was a cool event. Um, they opened their vault for us. Yeah, so it's like a like 2019 version of it. Mm-hmm. The whiskey soured. That's a nice blend of a whiskey and a beer. Yeah, the Scotch ales. But if they've you don't been do doing right, that for a while with uh, Kentucky Lightning. They have, and I I've liked the last Kentucky Lightning, but the first Kentucky Lightning I had I did not like. Yeah, so it changes every year, I guess, a little bit. But if you don't have that good blend of what you're trying to mix with beer it just does not turn out right yeah uh, and you have to be very careful and i think with seven the issue because seven is so light it's not so much a grossness as in what is it more is this a wine or a beer now and it's tough to figure out where the balance <laughs> lies and i feel like this has not broken that mold at all because i feel like this definitely leans more toward beer mm-hmm. and the other ones have always leaned more toward wine so I've yet to have a perfect balanced 
Sauvignon beer. But I do like that this is the first one that leans more toward beer than wine. True. So, yeah, this is good. This is really good. So the can. Ooh, I have <laughs> more beer in my can. Yay. Woo-hoo! I was wondering how I got so. I was like, I did not drink. Oh, wow. I did drink that much. There wasn't that much left in my can. It's good. <laughs> it is very drinkable. I didn't even realize how much I drank. The beard cans are very simple. At least dogs and boats and now kittens and canoes is very <laughs> simple. So it's a tall boy can. It's got a wraparound label, not a full label. It's a lilac, I would say, color. I would say periwinkle. Periwinkle. I'm calling it periwinkle. Okay. It's got a periwinkle color. It's more or less blank. It's very much just the color. On the left side, in very small font, it says, as fickle as your house cat, kittens and canoes comes around when it wants to. Dot, dot, dot. Everything you said That earlier. I just said. <laughs> I didn't uh, realize it was on the can. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's fine. <laughs> I'm going to uh, steal your thunder. Then on the right side, it says, brewed by the Beard Brewing Company, LLC, Stoning, Connecticut. Stonington, Connecticut, beardbrewing.com, the government warning, a regular old label. There's no craft brewing uh, logo, which is a little disappointing. The beard brewing logo is on top and it says beard in cursive. And then the line at the end of the D in beard trails off into becoming, I think, a hat, the top of a hat, which then trails off into becoming a beard, like a guy's full beard. Yep. And the bottom in small font, it says brewing co. And that is the label for beard brewing. It is a dude's beard in black font. And then it says kittens and canoes and kind of finger painting handwriting. I mean, nice handwriting, but yeah, it's definitely like finger painting, which is nice. And then a watercolor of uh, a small rowboat, a small red rowboat by a bank with kittens in it. And there's like a forest on the side and stuff like that. It's pretty nice. It's very it's similar cute. to dogs and boats mm-hmm. where there's a dog sitting at a boat on a dock. Yep. Uh, but this time it's kittens. I do think the picture is smaller for kittens and canoes than dogs and boats, though. I believe it is. Yeah, you're right. It's a very tiny picture, but very nice. I think what draws your eye to it is that kind of lilac color for beard. Yeah. It's like a very pretty colored can. Mm -hmm. Not like intense purple or neon or an intense picture. It's just lilac. Just calming, which is nice because you're trying to chill out with a beer. So that's I think that's going to draw your eyes to a beer is like, what kind of beer is this? Because I do just want to friggin chill right now. Yeah. American Pale Ale. I'm not used to seeing that on the bottom. So used to seeing India Pale Ale lately. Uh, It's nice to have an American Pale Ale. It's true. I feel like it's been a long time since we've had just a Pale Ale. Yeah, it has. (laughs) You know, I talk about how you used to have Whale's Tail all the time, but the place we used to go to that always had Whale's Tail doesn't have it anymore. It's true. Where I worked used to have Whale's Tail on tap as one of the two standard taps we had. Oh, I wonder if it still does. Yeah, okay. I mean, we used to get a lot of stuff at Plan B that isn't there anymore. I mean, Plan B is a restaurant, not to bill. Oh, yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Clarification. Plan B. B stands for uh, burgers, B, burgers, beer bur- and bourbon. bourbon. Yep. Yeah. But they, they always have a fairly eclectic collection of craft beer on tap, which is where we were introduced to Lizard's Breath. Oh, God, um, yeah. Our first episode of this very podcast. Check it out. Start from the <laughs> beginning. As well as, like you said, Whale's Tale, among many, many others. Well, I was introduced to Whale's Tale at my other job, but yes, you okay. were introduced to Whale's yeah. Tale there. But yeah, I, like American, I, American Pale Ales, I feel like are kind of underrated in terms oh, yeah. of how they are and how they taste and their drinkability because everyone wants the IPAs because they're more bitter, mm-hmm. which... It doesn't always, For some people, it doesn't always more, make them more interesting. But makes them, I think, I think the bitter in an IPA makes things more fun nowadays. You know what mm. I mean? I feel like it's, uh, and this isn't knocking it because I love IPAs and 
I'll never stop liking IPAs, but it's mm-hmm. the fun of how bitter things are and you can take it. And yeah. it's like American pills aren't bitter. Pff, I don't want it anymore. Even if you do it subconsciously, you become a hipster in your own right in terms of like a pale ale. It's like, it's just got to be so bitter. It's just got to be so bitter. And I'm that guy because I love bitter things. So I'm, I'm the guy, I'm the very guy I'm making fun of right now. Uh, and I think when it comes to pale ales, people are just expecting this to be, it tastes like a watered down IPA and they don't respect the taste that comes out of a pale ale. But it doesn't taste watered down. No, it doesn't. It's like I said, it's just a, it, it's a disrespectful way to look at an American pale okay, ale. Okay. I feel like they aren't watered down. They're just not as bitter. They're just a little bit more flavorful. They're a mm-hmm. little bit more drinkable. Um, They're a little bit more crushable. They're a little bit more suited for the summertime. Yes. When the weather gets to be 75 and above, I'm pretty sure I'd rather have an American pale ale than an India pale ale. Agreed. Not knocking IPAs because- God knows. Lord knows we love them. <laughs> the East Coast and I know the West Coast, probably the middle of the country are all inundated with IPAs. So it's not like they're hurting for business and it's not like they're bad. Everybody loves IPAs. When it's really hot, but I still want some bitterness, I get this. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering, like, I know a lot of British beers. We haven't done a lot because you pick out the beers usually and I'm Mr. International. In England, they order bitters. Can I get a pint of bitters? Like, is their version of a bitters beer, is that like an American IPA or not? And I know we've gone over it once uh, with one English beer. And I, I'd i like to get more English beers. Yeah. But it's tough because where we go, a lot of the UK beers are Ireland and Scotland. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm very interested to see what like a bitters is in England compared to an American pale ale. And if they're similar. Yeah, I, I really like a history I don't know the difference between them. It's a good point. Because in England, you go, can I get a pint of bitters? And they pour you a certain kind of beer. Yeah, I I, I have no idea. I'm just picturing like know. the actual like bitters that you pour out drop by drop into mixed drinks. Yeah, and that's, it's different. That's, that's absolutely that, like, cut, not it. cuts the like sharpness of a drink. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. I'm just I'm just pontificating on like, okay. I'm really interested to see the difference between that because they're the paleness and the bitterness of beer, I think, are like a big thing in terms of what draws people to beer Mm -hmm. but also what draws people away from beer so i I know that my mother hates beer because of how bitter beer is Mm -hmm. it's not the taste she doesn't like it's the bitterness of beer that she hates and i know that's an entry-level thing in terms of most people with beer is you don't start with a you know a dogs and boats you don't start with a road to ruin you don't start with the hardcore ipas or double ipas you start with a, a Corona or a Pilsner <laughs> yeah. or a Coors Light or a Pabst Blue Ribbon or something like that. And you mm-hmm. move up yeah. to these kind of beers when you're starting to drink. Yeah. Everyone does. It's just how it works. Exactly. And it's not just, uh, this is another episode I'd love to do, how your taste buds evolve over time. I was literally, like- I, I was waiting for my in to bring this up. Like, I'm wondering, correct me if this isn't what you were going to say, but is it, more appealing to us to have the IPAs now as we're getting older than 21 <laughs> uh, because your taste buds change and become, you know, less sensitive. So you need something more bitter, more sour to really appreciate the taste of it. Like, is that why we're super drawn to IPAs and NWIPAs? Because that's like, we need the fix. That's Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's- okay. 
when you're 21, when you first turn 21, or if you drink before you're 21, when you're <laughs> definitely, if you're drinking before you're old enough, you like sweet. Yeah, you don't like, yeah that's why you're that's putting, why teenage girls. You're putting <laughs> nine creams and 18 sugars in your coffee, which is <laughs> fucking disgusting. Stop it. It's <laughs> a 45 year old guy put nine creams and Ew. five equals in his sugar the other day. Well, and I just wanted to fucking just like, go get ice cream, put his head in the coffee and say, no, bad adult, bad <laughs> one and one at most two and two. If you're extreme, grow up. <laughs> um, but as we get older, we like bitter things. It's just a fact. It's just yeah. I don't know what episode we would do it with. It would have to be an episode not dedicated to a single beer, maybe. Mm-hmm. But where we look at that is just like, yeah, your taste for beer changes. Absolutely. And that sweetness and what you want in a sweetness and what you're looking for in a beer and what you're looking for in bitterness. Like in college, I always talk about, and it's my eighth time I've talked about it on the podcast, I returned my first IPA I ever had mm-hmm. because I couldn't drink it. It was disgusting. And the I, I wasn't going to return it, but the waitress noticed my disgust because it was so visible yeah, and asked if I wanted to. Yeah. For so long she while asked we were if at I the wanted table. to return it. She was like, you, she felt you bad. don't look like you like it. Do you want to change it? And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. I just don't. It's just disgusting. Yeah. And it was disgusting. It was good. It was a cold snap from Sam Adams, mm-hmm. which this is the only time I'm going to say it. That is a good Sam Adams beer. <laughs> but I didn't. I hated it. Yeah. And there's something to be said about a summer ale on a hot day. I like if summer it, ale. If, yeah. Oh, and I really like cold snap. That's that, like. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, like cold snap was what I returned. I like cold snap now, but I didn't like it then. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just wasn't into the bitterness I still had to get there there. and now I hate sweet stuff not all sweet stuff I love soda and stuff like that so like but I'm definitely changed in my taste buds Mm -hmm. so I wonder if that's part of the drawback of American Pale Ales is so many people now are inundated with the bitter so early Mm -hmm. that they just completely skip uh APAs like API Aza, if I can call it. I've literally never seen it abbreviated like that (laughs) I just want to say just call it a pale ale a a pale ale (laughs) Um, like that and they just go right to IPAs and just get have to get used to it mm-hmm. and I wonder if they're just forced to get used to it because maybe college kids are like I don't want to seem like a fucking dweeb yeah only drink Corona so if they go to a brewery they just like I drink IPAs and go oh, I like it and don't like their first couple times mm-hmm. and then like it and obviously it's only gonna take them a couple tries to start getting used to it they start liking it and then when they go back to American Pale Ale's though they never had that transitionary period where this is something interesting yeah it's a very interesting way to look at American tastes and taste buds in general and and how people perceive bitterness. Mm-hmm. Which is what the whole scale is based on. The IBU scale is, is based perceived, on perceived bitterness. But that's different for every person, which is yeah. why everybody hates that scale. We need a robot that perceives bitterness correctly. We yeah, need to right? make that and then One give, standard. I give and give this uh bitter nine five four two four uh <laughs> the beers every time and have him go. This is a five out of ten. More beer. More, more beer, beer. More beer. He's more, basic. Maybe more. He, or maybe he's just Bender. Maybe we just build ourselves a Bender from Futurama. <laughs> and he lives on beer. And that's how we we dedicate. <laughs> it's bitter, baby. It's bitter, baby. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really do like this beer a lot. I can see how you could love this beer because yep. this is definitely. I'm almost. Yeah, you're almost done already. Well, no, I, I oh, haven't you refilled. Oh, you your new one. But I am I'm further along than you. <laughs> <laughs> this beer is absolutely fantastic. It's a great mix of both the Savin and beer in more of a beer focused way. Mm-hmm. 
definitely pick it up. Beard has done some amazing things. I'm almost positive I had more than one thing by Beard. I th- I really think you have, but it must have been one of the rotational, like it must have been or but special. Go, go try them. Dogs and Boats is also really good. It's highly lauded by not just Andy, but it's not the first time I've heard somebody compliment Dogs and oh, Boats yeah. and stuff. So go check out Dogs and Boats. Um, Delicious Imperial IPA. And go check out an American Pale Ale near you as well. Check out the difference between that and an IPA. Mm-hmm. You'll be surprised, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised on how different it is and yet how similar it is and how much more, I think, crushability you'll find in the American Pale Ales when Absolutely. it comes to summertime. You might find some delicious American Pale Ales that have just been kind of pushed to the side yeah. in favors of more popular IPAs at the time. Uh, but they use very similar ingredients and they're very similar in taste. You're not not going to like an uh, American Pale Ale. I would agree. That's all I got on this subject. Well, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> well, then let's end this podcast and keep drinking. And drink our beer. Yeah. So thanks, guys, for tuning into this week's episode. And if you enjoyed it, please rate it, review it, and share it with your friends and subscribe to catch our future episodes. You can find us on crackandoneopen.com or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at crackandoneopen or shoot us an email at crackandoneopen at gmail.com with any comments, questions, or suggestions because we always want to hear from you. Always. (laughs) Unless it's a negative comment. I'm pretty sensitive, so just be careful. I might cry. You millennial. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have no feelings. I'm dead inside. Um, <laughs> what else you got to plug? I've got audiobooks. Buy my audiobooks. I don't make money unless you buy my audiobooks. My name's Michael Butler on Audible. Look at my books. Sour Coffee at Midnight. Uh, the Murder of Kelly Christopher, Progressive Entrapment, The Final Girl, Switch Art Fraud and Gangsters. These are books that I was paid for with a royalty share contract, which means unless you guys buy it, I don't get paid. I put at least 80 hours into all these books and I ain't getting a dime unless you guys buy them. So please. Uh, they're mostly horror books. Switch Art for and Gangsters is an awesome British Guy Ritchie book. In Sour, I do an awesome Southern accent throughout the whole thing. And it's like a Evil Dead movie. The other one's Coffee at Midnight. It's a short story book. Progressive Entrapment is a really fucked up short story book. And Final Girl is an 80 slasher movie book. Those are all horror books, but also awesome. Check them out if you like horror. Just check them out. Yeah, I I. I been told i do a really good job at it uh brandon ford the author of three of the books or four of the books i've done now uh really likes what i've done check out the murder of kelly christopher it's a new book that just came out it's a murder mystery book by brandon ford and uh check them out i think you'll like them you're gonna listen to samples buy the books if you have an audible account use your free token just check them out they're great times i've also got two player bros and forgotten cinema they are two podcasts on forgotten entertainment network i went too long on my audible post this time so just go go real quick two player bros about video games Forgotten Cinema is about movies. I'm an actor. Uh, my partner on that, forgot uh, Mike Field, is a writer and director. So we know what we're fucking talking about. So you check out Forgotten Cinema and check out Two Player Bros. Because me and my buddy Dave play a shit ton of video games. And we also know what we're talking about. Uh, those are all on ForgottenEntertainment.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Mike Butler. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs> And a special thanks for our theme, which was composed and performed by Joe Reichert. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers. Do you want to just choose some Nelson Savin hops? Just yeah, want to buy some cops kind and of. Chew them? Like, <laughs> I, 
I wouldn't hate it. 